this week I want to talk about something that's more known in the paranormal field and not really considered to be like a mythological creature like I normally discuss and that's why I decided to pick it. Now you can go to the blog mycrazysynchronicities.wordpress.com which is linked in the bio and learn about gorgons which are a lot like Medusa and they would turn people to stone but in this podcast I want to talk about the Dybbuk. So the Dybbuk can be spelled two ways originally D-I-B-B-U-K D-Y-B-B-U-K So The Dybbuk, it comes from a Hebrew word, which is spelled D-I-B-B-U-Q, which means the act of sticking, and it's a nominal form derived from the verb dabak, D-A-B-A-Q, which means to adhere or to cling. So, we see them all the time, we see them on ghost adventures talking about Dybbuk boxes where there's a creature attached to it, or uh, not a creature, but like a spirit. So, I looked up on the jewishvirtuallibrary.org, and they say it so well. I'm going to speak to this. So, originally, the Dybbuk was thought to be um, just basically an unclean or an evil spirit, right? And it would stick to people who were sick in the beginning. That's how it was originally told. Now, it's supposed to be an evil spirit that enters a living person and it sticks, adheres to their soul. Usually it'd be someone with mental or physical illnesses. And really, it would be like someone who was possessed in a sense, right? Because they would talk through them and everything else. So, you will not find this in the Kabbalah. They always called it just an evil spirit. And in the New Testament, they call it unclean spirit. But it was introduced in a literature not until the 17th century. And it was spoken language of German and Polish Jews. It was an abbreviation of Dybbuk Miru'a-Ra'a, a cleavage of an evil spirit, or Dybbuk Min-Ha-Hizonim, Dybbuk from the outside, which is found in man. So, it's just the act of attachment of a spirit to a body. Now, we always hear this throughout time, how it gets more attached to objects, like boxes, whatever. They trap it in a box, but stories about the Dibbukumen, Dibbukum, are common in the Second Temple and Talmudic periods, particularly in the Gospels. So they're not prominent in medieval literature at all. So it was considered at first to be a devil or a demon who entered the body of a sick person. And then it became not just a devil, but demons, right? Which was really, if you do your research, just people who aren't of the church. But we know this to be, in this case, to be evil. (laughs) So... Then it became, in the 16th century, widespread and accepted apart, apart bigger, like, sects of the Jewish population. 
Now, they were generally to be considered souls who would, um, they would enter the person. There's a sign of them having committed a sin or something that they've done bad. Now, it could be to do with their actual beliefs. So, if they were non-Jewish, that sort of thing. If they didn't follow the Kabbalah concepts, that kind of thing, it could make them in harm's way for being possessed, basically. So, the idea was that they would then exercise the Dybbuk from the body, and then they would bound that thing to something else, right? That evil thing to something else, like an object. So, let's see here. You can find them all over now in different literature, which is kind of funny, because it wasn't originally there. But there are different ways that people say that you could deal with the Dybbuk. So, let's see here. The Sidra Ara, or the other side, as the Kabbalists call it, that is where the evil has their domain. Now, it's all about telling us that we need to fear things like this. They are bad because they cling. And we already know that there are sort of like demons in the sense that get linked to black dogs or cats, right? Dead souls that get trapped inside of these things. So it's not just people, it's also animals too that would have this dybbuk. And then there's also ones that would be known for being more of a sexual nature. So uh, that would be, uh, what do you call it? I'm having a brain fart, but where it would basically be a spirit who would come in in the form of offering sex. So that happens a lot too. So most people who are known to have a habit are people who go against the church or go against the beliefs, people who are mentally or physically ill, but mentally more so. Now, if a woman in Jewish society was believed to have been possessed by a Dybbuk in the 16th and 18th centuries, when this fear was kind of reaching its peak, they would be condemned for witchcraft. So, we already know that they would be, what do you call it, they would be murdered, but if they were trying to exercise the Dybbuk, they would be basically, they would assume that the cosmic order would then be restored. And they would bring it back either to a thing that they would attach it then to or bring it back to its lair or its area, the cosmos. So one of the ceremonies conducted in the synagogue would have 10 men it would purify themselves through fasting and ritual immersion. And then they would all dress in white shrouds. And then a corpse is buried, wreathed in a prayer, shawls, and their heads and arms with the sacred parchments that were used during a daily prayer. So a lot of these people ended up, when they were threatened with having had a dibic, they would just go right ahead and commit suicide. It was really common, which is really sad. A lot of people thought that this would happen with seven different combinations of the 42-letter name of God pronounced. There were curses that would put Dybbuk's odd people. People believed this and put them through this. 
So this had a lot to do with almost like a same kind of version of the witch trials, which is really sad for the amount of people who were just mentally ill, physically sick, what have you. And then they would then be actually murdered because of it or be so terrified of that that they would then go ahead and kill themselves. So now people put these curses that would bind a spirit, an evil spirit, to items like boxes, what have you. And they would go through all these ritual practices to then attach the spirit to it. Then someone purchases the box. And you see them all the time on places like eBay or what have you. Or like on shows like Ghost Adventures where they then can have spiritual communication, you know, if they're using an SB7 or they could be using, you know, anything that would, uh, that would then capture evidence of the spirit. Why they do it with what they consider a bad spirit, I don't know. I think it's sort of stepping it up a notch, but people believe that the only way after it's been adhered is, um, just to be in its presence, worse so to touch it, even more so to open it, you'd be releasing the spirit, which could then attach to a person, right? So people would actually bury these so that no one would come in contact with it as a way to save it. So a lot of people believe in this Dybbuk experience. A lot of people try to create them through these ritualistic practices that were actually Jewish in origin, and they don't even understand it. And all it means is adhering. It doesn't have to be a spirit. Like my cat is coming over here because he wants to be fed because he's being a dybbuk. <laughs> he's, he's just adhering and clinging to me like an annoying little shit. So this is one of those cases where, you know, people truly understood what it meant. They would realize the sadness of the history behind it and how many people were killed or committed suicide in the name of mental illness and things like that. So, yeah, be more open to what it is you're actually learning because the Dybbuk is fascinating in the, like, horror movie concept, but in reality, it's actually a very sad history. I'll see you guys next time.